Welcome to Spark, Careers in Agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, President at Paulson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Spark. We have a guest today that I think really has a unique career path, and I had a chance to meet her in person, and she has a wonderful perspective on balancing important things like raising her son with being a grazer, which she is going to explain to us, and also being a children's book author. So let me introduce to you Liz Huey. Liz, thank you for joining us, and welcome to Spark. Sarah, thank you so much for having me on Spark. You bet. So to kick things off today, can you tell us a little bit more about all those roles that you talked about? Okay, well, I have uh, I have three current uh, major roles that I play in my life. Uh, the first being mom. Uh, I have a five-year-old son, and together we have an array of pets. So uh, caring for two dogs, two cats, um, a small flock of backyard chickens, um, two mules, four horses, and uh, uh, a herd of red angus. Cattle. And uh, one snake. My son is a uh, he's a reptile lover, and um, I decided to feed that passion uh, last <laughs> winter, and has become a reptile caretaker. So oh, is that one is that snake, snake in the house? <laughs> is that snake in the house? I gotta know. He's he's in a terrarium, and uh, yeah, he's in a terrarium. He's ten to fifteen years old. He's had one handler his whole life, aside from us. I was adamant about finding a snake that could be handled. And um, my son absolutely loves the snake. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I'm also a grazer. Um, I am a grass farmer and the grazing manager to my family's farm. Um, we employ a herd of red angus and a management intensive grazing platform. So, uh, sometimes with my son, the, Half the time with my son, uh, I'm moving cattle every day uh, into small sections of pasture and also moving water and mineral with them. Um, and portable shade. We also have portable shade and we've seen huge improvements in our pasture and amount of uh, grazing time that we get on our field in the past seven years. Um, also, my third title and the reason I'm here is I am a children's book author. Um, my books educate children on horses and mules, uh, mule packing, national forest, animal husbandry, and environmental stewardship. Um, by the end of this year, I will have self-published four children's books, three in the Barney the Lot Set of Mule series. And I'm very excited to tell you that our first book, Barney the Lot Set of Mule, is um, a finalist in the 2018 Will Rogers Medallion Award, which is an award honoring books that represent an outstanding achievement uh, in publish, the publishing of Western media and that honor traditions of the American cowboy. Wow, so congratulations. Any, yeah, yes, uh, Will Rogers and Barney the Lot said a new on the same sentence. I'm all about it. <laughs> um, yeah. That's very good. Congratulations, that's, that's a huge accomplishment, especially when you're out there just self-publishing. That's really amazing, really amazing. Thank you very much. All right, so maybe tell us a little bit about uh, your your path to getting where you're at right now. Oh, the path to getting where I'm at right now. Well, um, I'm a product of my yesterdays, and uh, these yesterdays made me uh, a self-proclaimed mud puddle mom, which is a mom that likes to take their kid outside and let them get dirty. 
um, an author and a grazer and a wannabe cowgirl. Uh, this all started with a uh, BA in geography from Indiana University. Um, I love the topic of geography. I love connecting uh, physical and social relations in the world. And I believe that the degree in geography has helped me see the big picture of the world, how one small action uh, can, one small action by one person can affect the world around you and the world as a whole. Um, so I use the skills that I've learned through uh, my education every day, um, my education in geography, even though I'm not specifically working in the field of geography. Um, I also have a few certificates, um, education certificates that have, everything is just built on, it's built on the next thing. And um, all of my certificates, they complement each other. They all complement geography and they make up the geography of my life, which is a children's book author, grazer, and mom. Sounds like you are a lifelong learner. Yes, I am a lifelong scholar. I'm always looking for new things to learn. Very good, very good. So that's a little bit of an unusual path um, compared to a lot of the women that I've interviewed. I'd be curious if you maybe can talk about a pivotal event or um, decision that maybe changed the course of your life. Um, I have two, two very pivotal events in my life. Um, the first one being the last class I walked out of when I was in college. Um, it was a wildlife management class it was really the last class I even signed up for in college. And um, this class, it showed me that it wasn't a fault to want to work outside and to be in wide open spaces. And um, because of the influence of this class, I fulfilled my dream of going west and exploring the Rockies on horseback. And um, I did this for I did this for six years with a string of mules behind me and became a backcountry guide and packer. Um, the second pivotal event in my life is the birth of my son. And that inspired me to uh, put those memories that I have in the Rockies uh, into words and become a children's book author. So is it safe to assume that your son came after you were spending the six years with string yes. mules. <laughs> yes, he did. Okay. He did. Uh, my twenties, my twenties were spent riding through the Rockies, and um, yeah, my thirties, thirties were spent the middle of my thirties raising a son. Okay. All right. Well, that's. Um, I got it. I just have to ask you what it's like to be. You know, were you camping that entire time when you're out in the Rockies, or how did that work? No, um, I'm, I mean, I've done some, I've stayed out in the National Forest a few times, um, always on a cot, usually in a wall tent, um, but we always rode out from base camp, okay. so we had a base camp that we rode back to every night, and I typically, yeah, I always slept in a bed, but um, I mean, sometimes the day would be long, some of the camps were 20 plus miles away, and you might not get home until you might not get home until midnight. So there's lots of a uh, lots of night riding. Um, <laughs> you you cure any fear of darkness. That's for sure. Especially <laughs> with a new with a new moon night. I mean, you can't see your hands uh, five inches in front of your face. So you're you really just develop uh, a sense of hearing. You have to listen to your 
listen to your string and the problems that might be going on behind you. So that wildlife management class, what possessed you to take that? Because that probably isn't in the geography curriculum, is it? Uh, no, it wasn't in the geography curriculum. It um, looked like an interesting class. I, it fulfilled something that I still had to fulfill in my degree. Um, and it was honestly, it was a class that you had to, you, you needed to be a grad student to take. And I wasn't a grad student, but I went and talked to the instructor. And uh, my family, my parents were always very interested in biology. Uh, in fact, my dad was a biology major in college. And um, they always, and they brought us up as nature and animal lovers. So, and everything was always correct. Um, yeah, and we just grew up knowing a lot about animals. Uh, my mom, when I was growing up, was a taxidermist. So, <laughs> While I was growing up, I, she worked out of our home. And um, so I saw most of the large game animals from North America in my house and, um, you know, saw them up close and personal, knew what they looked like, knew the anatomy of each. And, uh, yeah, it was just something that I, I knew about. I knew a lot about the subject of wildlife and wildlife management, but didn't ever really think it was that important. It wasn't until that class that it was like, wow, I, I don't even have to study for this class. This is just, this is second nature to me. Huh. So, wow. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met anyone whose mother was a taxidermist. So that's really fascinating. Yeah. So I kind of half expected yeah. you, would, you would say one of my parents was a writer. How did you become interested in writing? Actually, uh, writing, writing runs in my family. I have an uncle, my uncle Pat, um, who... My Uncle Pat has cerebral palsy, and he's actually in his early 60s now, but uh, he's always had a passion for writing, and um, he's written and uh, self-published a few books that, you know, all of us family members have, that uh, the family members, we all pitch in and help publish the book for him, editing his work, uh, putting pictures to stories, things like that, and um, yeah, he's... He's, he's a writer. So writers, they, they run in my family a little bit. I have a cousin who is also a children's book author. And um, yeah, I've always liked poetry. I've always liked memorizing poetry. I was totally the, uh, the, the dude wrangler that would take their, take their ride out and get to the amazing view, and I would, I'd recite a cowboy poem for them. <laughs> something like that. I, I just have always liked poetry oh, and um, awesome. I like memorizing it, but the poetry that I like has a beat. It's fun, fun lines that have a beat and a rhyme. I, I love, make, makes me laugh, makes me smile. Cool. <laughs> well, I think that's a perfect segue into my next question for you, which is, you know, what or whom has been most important to your development? My family and friends have been most important to my development. I, um, I surround myself with positive and intelligent people, and I seek to find the gifts in all. Um, I love positive people that see what can be, and intelligent people who have had a lot of different life experiences. Um, hearing constructive criticism from a person that is very positive in life, and um, it makes me want to work harder, whether that be as a mom, a grazer or a, a writer. 
Sounds like you've got a pretty tight-knit family where you describe everyone supporting your uncle. That's that's really cool. Really cool. We do. I, I have I have really an amazing family. So you talked a little bit about um, the obstacles that your, your uncle is overcoming. What do you think your biggest obstacle has been? My biggest obstacle uh, would be having integrity and confidence versus seeking approval from people. Um, being confident in my own decision. I've overcome this by just jumping and starting to do the things that I love to do and living the life that I love to live and um, being the change that I want to see in the world. Uh, it's not its not necessarily important to me what everybody else thinks. Um, it is important to me how I feel. And I, I live my life with integrity. Well, it's really borne out in this example that you're setting where you took off and you are um, living out west. And gosh, you just, it sounds to me like you're living a dream. It really sounds like a wonder. I'm sure it has challenges, but it sounds like a really great, a great way to live and work. It is. I have, I have a very good thing going on. I do now, I do not live out west anymore. I live back on the family farm in Indiana. Ah, okay. Okay. Got it. Yes. Yes, I do live back on the farm in Indiana. Okay. So no more string of pack mules behind you? No, I still dream about them quite often. Uh, this time of year, I always get a little bug in me. I mean, this is uh, kind of the, this time of year is the beginning of elk season out west. So that's a big time for packers uh, to be packing is during elk season. So okay. um, you kind of have a lot of camaraderie with the people that you worked with in the past. Like maybe we're all contacting each other this time of year, wishing each other well, finding out what we're doing. Some people are going back to the state outfitter and working still. Um, yeah, but uh, and I still I still do every now and then I get to go on a a pack trip with my friends, but I'm no longer working as a packer. I do have um I do have two mules here on the farm, uh, like I said before. And uh, one of them is a, a pack mule, and I I do have a pack saddle for him, and I take him to I take him to lot libraries and schools and uh, county fair events, and I do uh, packing demonstrations for kids. Oh, that's awesome! And show kids show kids what mule packing is. Um, out west, kids might know some kids know what mule packing is for sure, and outfitting. But here in the east, that's a that's an idea that's completely and totally foreign. Um, I, I was introduced to that idea at a young age with the media. I was around. Um, my family always had a lot of uh, Western Western media on. And Jeremiah Johnson was, uh, it was a weekly weekly movie that we watched. And Jeremiah Johnson was a mountain man and had, yeah. a, had a, pack, a pack animal with him. So yeah. I, knew, I knew what that looked like. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good thing to give kids to the East and show them what uh, packing and outfitting is, being as though we do have a lot of kids here in the East that are in 4-H, uh, showing horses, uh, lots of horse lovers around here. If they do want to take that to the next level and go out West and ride through the Rockies, it's um, pretty sure that they're going to end up working for an outfitter and they're going to have to learn how to pack. So, yeah. Well, I think, packing's a good skill. 
that's a that is a great skill and it's a it's a great way to connect them i think with with animals and um all the way back around to agriculture so it seems like you've got a yeah. little bit of a heart for um, helping educate and maybe you could talk a little bit about mentorship um i have been and am a mentor um i it's interesting to be a mentor you have to be uh pretty careful with your words um always speak positively uh, one sentence that you say could change a person's entire life path um at the same time you don't want to mentor too much and let the person that you're mentoring make their own decision um, i think it's important when being a mentor to speak from the heart and be yourself and uh let the mentee that is looking up to the mentor um, know that the mentor is, isn't is perfect and has gone through life struggles and crossroads too. Yeah, I, I feel it's very important to be real and not come across as perfect. Nobody's perfect and everybody has life struggles. Yeah, that's really true. And it's good to know that um, everyone can overcome those obstacles and and sometimes even overcoming them can be kind of a tough thing and an ongoing thing. So you're right. That's a, a real, yes. very real side of being a mentor. It's very, very true. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about some advice that you got for young women that are just starting out in their careers? Um, I would say take every opportunity that comes to you. And um, nice to have a lot of tools in your back pocket because you really don't know you really don't know where life might take you in five years. So being capable and skilled in many different fields can only help a person. Um, get out of your comfort zone from time to time and don't be afraid to try new things. Um, I feel like new experiences open doors. And uh, if you are an aspiring writer, I would, my advice to you is to write it down, uh, even if it's at 3 a.m because that thought it might not be there in the morning <laughs> so yeah but uh i big advice is any job worth doing is worth doing well whether that be out cleaning your horse stalls or um in uh in writing a poem uh writing something for a magazine uh, anything any job worth doing is worth doing well well, I think you are a great example of that. Um, I, I love how you just connected all of your experiences to something that's your ultimate goal, which is, I assume, is being an author and, of course, being a good mom. But um, I think that's an amazing career goal, and you're making it happen. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So in your sphere of influence, um, and you've, had a, you've got a lot of things that you're out there doing, I'd be really curious to know uh, what kind of concerns you that's happening these days. Um... I have a concern with uh, kids not being in nature and playing outside and uh, getting dirty and discovering our natural world. Like I feel kids of my age and um, my parents' generation did. Through this childhood discovery, uh, we are nurturing a childhood discovery of nature. It nurtures a generation of people that will respect the earth and all of its inhabitants um, and help them see how their decisions affect the world around them and future generations. Um, 
So I, I'd really like to see kids get back to nature and, um, yeah, have an appreciation for the natural world. Well, I'm guessing from the way you describe your son, he's probably coming home dirty at the end of about every day. Yes, that's what that's what washing machines are for. <laughs> so we have, we have we have a lot of fun outside. Uh, we we have a creek that runs right in front of the house. We are um, he just turned five in July, and uh, we have mastered the art of crawdad catching right now, and um, <laughs> are in the creek all the time. Um, yeah, uh, finding salamanders and fish, uh, digging holes outside jumping in mud puddles when we have them, and um, yeah, gardening, things like that. Sounds like an awesome way to grow up. So when, you've, uh, when you're looking back on your career someday out in the very far future, um, what do you hope people will say about you? I really hope people look back and say uh, she was a pretty good hand. I, I like hearing myself called a hand by capable people. Um, it's like I have all these feathers in my hat, all these tricks up my sleeve, these skills that are in my back pocket, and I, I feel that they make me a pretty capable person. That, that is absolutely the first time I've ever had anybody describe themselves that way, but I, that absolutely sums it up great. <laughs> I mean, that really does. It sounds like you, you feel like you, you. Earn, you earn some stripes, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I try very hard. <laughs> oh. so. All right, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to ask you what it's a question that no one asks you, but you have this great answer for. I I feel like that question would be uh, what's the best way to make sauerkraut? I um I live this country life, and I do believe in the farm table movement, knowing where your food comes from, and um, I we make our own sauerkraut and. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like there's a hard way to make sauerkraut and an easy way to make sauerkraut. And, um, What's the easy way? The easy way, and I found this, um, I sometimes travel with sauerkraut when I have to travel. Um, I, if I'm going to Colorado to stay at my, my friend's uh, hunting camp, um, sometimes I'll take sauerkraut with me. And uh, I was flying with it. And I went to go through TSA, and uh, she takes it back to the back table and is testing it and everything, and she starts asking me questions about it. And um, she is like, you know, how did you make this, and, you know, what's in it and everything. And I think she's asking me this for security reasons. And I'm telling her everything, and I told her, you know, how did you make it? Well, I made it in the big karst crock that I have, and uh, it's just salt and this and that. And at the end of my description, she goes, you know you don't have to use the crop. And I said, huh? What do you mean I don't have to use the crop? She said, nope. She said, you can mix the cabbage and the salt and put it right in the jar. And she said, you don't have to carry that heavy crop up, up and down the base of the steps. And so <laughs> I leave there happy that I still have my jar of sauerkraut. And um, I'm like, okay, well, that just sounds too easy to me. So throughout that uh Throughout the next six months, I continued to use my big, heavy crop to make sauerkraut. And then I got lazy one time. I was like, I'm just going to put this in the jars. And I did. And it makes the most beautiful, crunchy white sauerkraut I've ever had in my life. And you don't have to, uh, you don't have to use the big, heavy crop. So I, uh, 
I call that um, making trout the easy way, what I learned through TSA. Because <laughs> it has to rhyme. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so would you do a huge favor for, for all of us, yes. for, our, for our audience? Would you share one of your poems? Um, Are you comfortable yeah, doing I, that? I think I could do that. Yes, I'm, I'm comfortable doing that. And uh, I think I have one here. Okay. That, uh, that goes along pretty well with our discussion. All right. Um, this is called A Reach for the Stars Girl and um, by Liz Huey, the cowgirl poet. A girl just like a boy can do most anything. The world is her oyster with much job offering. She can study hard and master any topic she prefers. Confident and sure, the choice is truly hers. A girl can be a firefighter that battles flames and smoke or a comedian on stage making people laugh with jokes. She can be a veterinarian healing animals big and small. There's just no limitation, no barrier too tall. She can build technology coding clean line on computer. A lawyer or attorney, she can be a prosecutor. A doctor treating illness, finding remedy for sneeze. She can be a forester assessing woodlands, saving trees. A photographer snapping pictures, catching moments with a photo. A girl can be a botanist, observing plant life girl. She can be a farrier giving horses steel shoes. A girl can be successful at any life path that she chooses. A girl can be the CEO making big decisions. She can be a five-star chef, cook bon appetit for vision. An astronomer and astronaut, artist or mountain guide. There's just no limitation to the places she can stride. A girl can start a business, be an entrepreneur, be a journalist or writer, produce fine literature, a pilot in the skies, the captain of a ship, an arthroscopic surgeon replacing someone's hip. She can be a soldier, sailor, airman, or marine, serve her country, travel the world, see what's to be seen. A girl can be an architect designing buildings tall, or she can be the carpenter that's forming up the wall. She can excavate ancient cities with archaeology, master atmospheric physics or climatology. She can be an oceanographer researching the fishes. A girl can study any science or topic that she wishes. A girl can be an oncologist finding cures for cancer, a teacher or professor that guides you to the answer, a mule or horse trainer showing animals the way, or she can be a farmer that rolls up bales of hay. A girl can be a policewoman, make the world a better place. She can be a race car driver, helping set the pace. No mountain she can't climb, no river she can't cross. Just because she's she doesn't mean she can't be the boss. She can scale the highest peaks, ski the steepest slope, climb the face of El Capitan and even set the rope. A river rafting guide paddling boats down rapid streams. A girl can be just anything, yes, anything she dreams. She can be a loving mom, and that alone's enough. But a girl can also have a job considered dirty and rough. As a girl, the path you choose is yours, your own choice. Just remember, in this world, you have an equal voice. So take these words and travel to the places that you wish. Feel confident in action. Give naysayers a squish. Please know all your talents are gifts from up above. When it comes to a profession, choose something that you love. Oh, hooray. That's awesome. That's <laughs> just beautiful and so perfect. Thank you. So perfect. Thank you very much. Yeah. So you better tell us now where people can go to find your books and stay in touch with you. 
Um, people can stay in touch with me on social media. I am uh, Liz Huey on Facebook and also The Cowgirl Poet, all one word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, also, you can contact me through my website, The Cowgirl Poet, all three words, one word, uh, thecowgirlpoet.com. Very good. Well, can't thank you enough, Liz, for spending some time with our audience today and uh, opening up your world to us because it was an awesome little journey. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Very good. Well, that wraps up this episode of Spark, and we appreciate you all tuning in, and we hope you'll join us next time. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.